We're going to talk about this topic a little bit in this episode, but I need you to think about what your superhero power would be. Sure, there are classic answers here, like being able to fly or turning invisible or something from Harry Potter, which I guess both of those things are possible. You know, all of that. On the topic of flying, I just saw a video promoting jetpacks. Someone shared with me showcasing actual footage of people cruising around in the air. It looked cool, but one of the top comments brought up a fascinating point. Think of how poorly people drive right now. That's with practice driving, taking driver's ed, getting out on the road and having experience driving. Could you imagine trying to navigate through the sky while you're working a jetpack? It'd be bedlam. Anyway, my superpower would be sprouting an extra arm or two. The closest thing I can think of is Inspector Gadget with his go-go gadget arms, but I don't even need the arms to fling out and be able to reach across an entire room or up on a really high shelf or something. I just want the additional hand or hands when I need them, and then my body absorbs them until it's ready for the next use. Practical without being unruly, perfect superpower. My guest on this episode is quite familiar with superheroes and has built entire worlds where they live and act heroic. If Paul Bunyan had added writing to his axe-wielding ways, he'd be Joe Field. Joe is the creator of the Legends universe and author of Arrowhead Legends, Skuldrum Legends, and Chokecherry Legends. His books are enjoyed by middle grade kids, young adults, new adults, and the young at heart, or as he calls them, fun adults. We're talking about navigating the Texas heat with a newborn, his top tool for taking notes, and how he writes entire books using a technique called mind writing. I'm Joey Held, this is Good People, Cool Things, and here's my conversation with Joe Field. To kick things off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Yeah, so my name is Joe Field. The elevator we're going on is about to turn into a rocket that will launch out of the building and into the Legends universe, which is a superhero universe I created. Stems from nine books and three podcast seasons worth of action, adventure. We have some bounty hunters, some supervillain, folklore, special weapons, and more. Uh, I'm the author of those books, and I hail from the great state of Minnesota, don't you know, from a city on the tip of Lake Superior called Duluth. So, uh, Joey, have you and all your world travels ever made it up to the North Star state of Minnesota? I have. I don't believe I've ever made it to Duluth, although okay. I'm I'm fairly certain. What, so I studied broadcast journalism in college, nice. and when you are looking for broadcast journalism jobs, you just throw a resume tape to all different places. You right. know, if you don't know anyone at a station, like obviously that helps too. But I, it is a lot of just kind of like cold pitching your tapes. And I'm fairly certain I applied to a station in Duluth, Minnesota. No Did not get it. Um, but at least, at least I know the name. I think it's through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually worked in local radio in high school and, and college, and I didn't have a radio name but I was doing sports. So the first time the DJ introduced me, he introduced me as Joe Field of Dreams, sports in the morning. And <laughs> I didn't really know how to respond, but you know, it stuck with me. So it's pretty cool. That's a good name. I feel like you can do a lot. Joe in, you know, for on its own works in so many different capacities, a good, right. you know, one syllable, easy to rhyme with a lot of things and then field. Yeah. You've got just lots of Lots of good stuff going on there. Now, we'll get into all of 
the writing and all the great stuff that you're doing. But we were talking right before we recorded that when we were coordinating this recording, it was on your birthday and you were in Texas. So what were you doing down here? Yeah, I I mean, I think my wife and I must be crazy because we thought it would be a good idea to bring our our toddler and our newborn to central Texas in the middle of August. <laughs> so uh, let me just let me just tell you a story about our first hour in Texas to give you an idea of what our trip was like. So we flew into the Austin International Airport and we navigated to baggage claim. Now, anyone who's traveled with small children knows you're no longer a father while on vacation. No, you're a full-time Sherpa. So I rent one of these tiny luggage carts, you know, the $7, and I load up our two car seats, our two pack strollers, a giant duffel bag that could probably fit like three dead bodies, but instead only had 39 pounds worth of baby accessories because <laughs> we decided we had to fly Spirit, you know, save some money. Sure, you know? sure. But then you get there and they're like, yeah, this is 39.1 ounces. That'll be $130. Like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we have all of our luggage loaded onto this cart. It looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa on a miniature shopping cart. And my newborn is strapped to my wife's chest in one of those carriers. And my toddler is eyeing, you know, elevated positions he can practice his luchador assaults from. So we asked them, we're like, how do you get to the rental car center? And they tell us we have to walk about 200 yards outside past these artisan cement blocks. Can't miss them. So we walk outside. It feels like we entered a Finnish sauna or we say sauna up north. <laughs> and uh, it took my it took my breath away. And every orifice in my body was instantly sweating. My baby's crying because this is literally the hottest temperatures he's ever experienced in his young life. My toddler is trying to escape my wife's hand and play Frogger with oncoming traffic because he sees the cement blocks up ahead. So we do our best to catch our toddler. But in the process, I almost ran into someone coming the other way because I couldn't see over around the luggage. And I ended up slamming into that first artisan cement block. And our luggage goes flying and it turns into like a freaking yard sale blocking everyone's path. So my wife and I are already losing it. The baby is screaming and our toddler is now on top of a cement block about to do a lucha slam into our sprawled out luggage. He thinks it's his arena. And I, I, I swear one passerby, he like casually lift up his phone. And I, I swear he hit record <laughs> as he went past. But those those two football fields worth of artisan cement blocks, I mean, which are literally like, I don't know, cement blocks with little etchings on the side of them. It felt like a, like a two mile Nazi minefield. Uh, we had like three more yard sales, but we made it to the rental car center. So we, we lumber up to the counter at one of the car rental places and I peek around the corner of the luggage and I see someone wearing a manager tag and he leans down and he whispers in the attendance series and he's looking right at me. He says, you know what to do. I'm like, what? Oh, geez, this doesn't sound good. And this attendant is this gal from uh, Jamaica who was like, hey, man, welcome to Texas. Have I got a car for you? And I asked her, you know, what are the options? And she's like, well, can do you know for twelve hundred dollars you can do a small SUV for the week, fifteen hundred for a full size pickup, or I can put you in a Tesla Model Three, midnight black paint with black leather interior. My manager has it parked just outside with the AC on. I can rent that to you for three hundred dollars for the week. And I was like, oh wow. So I, I look at the amount of luggage, look at my wife who's chasing the toddler down past Enterprise, and then I look back at you know Mr. Jamaica. I'm like, yeah, sold. I'll take the Tesla. Uh, so I don't know. Have you ever driven a Model Three before? Yes, I was actually just in one for the first time a couple weeks ago. So I can safely say yes to this question now when so people you, ask. <laughs> so you know. So it was my first time, and uh, I severely underestimated the size. I mean, 
I've never felt like more than a, like a circus clown in my life trying to cram all the luggage into the trunk, the frunk. Did you use the frunk when you had yours? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't know it existed. And, and then we found the frunk, which helped. And then the front seat, which meant my poor wife was sandwiched in the back seat between two kids in their car seat. So every possible space was just full of like a bag or accessory. But we do it, you know, we get all the family in, the luggage in, and we, we set our course for Waco, which was our destination for the day. But right before we leave, Miss Jamaica comes back out and she looks very serious. And she says, hey, forgot to mention, don't let your battery die in this Tesla or you're done for. Texas toast, man. And I was like, okay. So I like gave her a salute. And I looked down and I see the battery is at 80%. It's bleeding juice, like one to 2% per minute. You know, because we have the AC set to nuclear winter and everything. So my wife advised me to head to one of the superchargers straight away. And one being the key word, as we searched for a supercharger and discovered there's literally only like three total in Central Texas in, on our route. And the closest one was at this town, I think it was called uh, Temple, at this place called Bucky's. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, so- a true uh, institution of the state. Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't know. So, but, so we get on the road and the battery, like the battery stabilizes for a moment, but then we're playing Mozart music to try to get the kids to take a nap. And the Tesla is telling me I may or may not make it to Bucky's unless I limit my accessory uses. So I, so I, I can't turn off the AC, right? So I turn the music off. The kids start screaming. My wife is like rubbing her temples while binge eating Skittles. And I'm about to turn the Tesla around, just head right back to Austin International Airport. Then we, we arrive at this wonderland called Bucky's. And it was like, I feel like it was the moment I know Clark Griswold wanted to have when he took his family cross country to Wally World. I mean, it was like 49 Tesla superchargers, 172 bathroom stalls, like real air conditioning. They had these free samples of the most delicious made up snacks ever. And the prices, they made me feel like, I don't know, like I was at a dollar store in 1997. It was like heaven. We didn't want to leave, except we were paying like a literal, like a literal dollar a minute to charge the Tesla. We had to get to Waco. So we sadly left Bucky's early and went back into the Sauda. And that was our first hour in Texas. Well, I'm glad you persevered and glad that you got the Bucky's experience, which is not something everyone gets. It's you know, if you're if you're staying within the Austin city limits, I don't think you get to a Bucky's ever. You have to go a little bit out. It's a good I mean, it's a, it's a, I think technically it's qualified as a rest stop despite being a, a Mecca land. So it's very, you know, it's very much in between multiple cities. So I'm glad that was part of the experience. Yeah, that was amazing. I, I definitely want to go back one day. That was pretty cool. Now we'll get into Legends Universe, but let's jump back to the first thing you ever wrote. Do you remember what it was? So I don't know. I don't know if your parents did this uh, or if you know any parents that did this, but my, my parents were the type of parents that, they had like these Rubbermaid bins and they label them like, so I was known like you, yeah, I was known as Joey all throughout my childhood. And they would label like Joey, you know, like K through five and then Joey six through eight. And, and so someone asked me this a couple of years ago and I was at my parents' house and I was in the basement. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go back and look. And so I went back and look and I remembered my favorite teacher of all time was my third grade teacher. His name was Mr. Rogers in Duluth. And he won like, he won teacher of the year in minnesota and i think he might even won it nationally this guy like he was amazing he he'd bring his acoustic guitar in and he would like sing songs to us for the lesson he would quiz us on math so that we we could memorize every single multiplication chart we did like homemade root beer in his class we did all these art projects so 
he he was awesome but what he did was there was a citywide competition where it was sort of like a creative arts competition so any any creative arts related project you could submit and so i submitted two different categories so one was creative writing and the other one was an original composition for music and so i found in my little bucket at my my mom's house that my creative writing project was joey the detective where i solve the world's greatest crime and mysteries in duluth minnesota and uh, i got a participation ribbon for that so i was like oh that's not very good but you know that's <laughs> and then the other one so i did like so i played piano you know growing up and i did like a spin-off of like jerry lee lewis's great balls of fire but i kind of made it my own and that one you had to perform live at the competition and i remember like the first key it was like a hard like jerry lee lewis like i had to hit it and kind of go back and forth those two keys i needed to hit were both broken and so there's a there, there's a picture of me and it was on the front page of the duluth news tribune of me like looking at the judge uh, and saying like there's two broken keys and i end up winning that <laughs> and yeah i won the competition for the music and um my teacher mr roger he bought every copy he could find in duluth and he brought them the next day he brought like hundreds of copies and i took like i don't know how many homes so that was in the, my little rubber made as well and so at that point i was like you know, I really like writing, but I think I think I'm gonna you know pursue music. That's gonna be my thing for sure. And then it ended up being the other thing. So I still play a lot of music and I love music, but uh, and I wanted to become a songwriter. But I, that was probably my earliest memories, third grade. So well, maybe that's the the key as well is songwrite, but you can do it for other people, and then you're getting those sweet songwriter royalties without right. having to you know grind on tour and and do all of the the ancillary things that come with performing. Yeah, I do you do you do much songwriting yourself? I know you play. I know you're a musician. I dabble. I I, yeah. I, I do like writing lyrics and I think the um I think structuring a song is fun, but I to like you know, aside from like a standard like four chord type of song, I think takes more time and effort than I always have. So right. it's definitely, I definitely do it less than I would like to, but sometimes I'll, I'll get like a nice riff or something and I'm like, okay, let's explore this. Let's see what we can get out here. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I was, I always felt like my best songs. I, I have, and I, I think I've written about a hundred different songs now. And some of them I did a little bit with, and I'm like an ass cap writer. And uh, I always felt like it really was three chords and the truth. Those are my best songs. and. I still write songs like I wrote like a Father's Day song for my kids, which I play for them. I, I normally just play, you know, for my family and friends around the campfire now. But I, uh, I really thought I really thought I was going to be a musician after winning that third grade competition. So um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's definitely I was thinking I was like, man, if you were gigging while I was in Austin, I, you know, I could jump on the keys. I could pretty much play anything on the keys. So if you ever need a keyboard player, let me know. Oh, absolutely. Well, do I think we might have been playing the week after okay. uh, you were here. So at least it's not that big of a missed connection. But I agree. I think three songs or three chords in the truth is a, a very good formula and has worked well for a lot of folks. I remember a couple of, well, actually, this is probably like five or six months ago now, but I had a friend who visited me and he's like, one thing I want to do while I'm here is see some live music. So right. he found uh, someone who was performing, James, McMur James McMurtry. <laughs> So mm. rolls right off the tongue now yeah, right <laughs> um but he's he's a i i wasn't super familiar with him i'd heard the name but 
uh, just a like a Texas institution. He's been around for quite some time, and he was just playing at a, a little spot near the Continental Club. It's owned by the same company, which does a lot of good like jazz and funk shows and lots of lots of fun stuff at the Continental Club. But down the block, there's like a smaller sort of subset of it. And he was just playing a you know a lone acoustic song, and he had a song. I had to look this up because I love this lyric so much. It's called Hurricane Party. And mm. he has this line that I have thought about since I've heard it because it's so good of, and I don't want another drink. I only want that last one again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. I mean, that's like, you know, any musician or music lover's dream is to find like an artist like that, like playing like an acoustic off the scene, you know, or at a park or something. And that happens sometimes. It's neat when you we can experience like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I've never actually done like a solo acoustic, which I feel like would terrify me. Like my, I think my <laughs> shtick is running around and like being goofy with other people on stage. So I, I'll, I'll stick to that format. <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty much only, so I, I play acoustic guitar and sing and stuff. I pretty much, I'll do it for like a kids or like a niece or nephew. Like I'll go to their school and I, I, I made up a bunch of songs, like folklore songs. Like one of my popular songs is called Paul Bunyan, of course, you know, being from Northern Minnesota. Naturally, yes. <laughs> right. You got to do it. And so like, I'll go into like, you know, kids like class and I'll play that and then I'll read them a story about Paul and they love that. They love that. But that's sort of like the extent of my, uh, quote unquote busking sort of. So. <laughs> Still a great time though. That sounds like a, oh. a blast for sure. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, definitely. So the seeds of the writing were there. Joey the Detective kind of reminds me of playing, I don't know if you ever played this game growing up, Midnight Rescue. So I didn't play that one uh, very much, but I know about it. I, okay. I was a big time, I've been a gamer my whole life. So yes, yeah. one of the classic Super Solvers games from the learning company. Treasure Mountain, I think was the other one that I played um, probably the most, where it's like the little, just for the people listening, since you're familiar, but like the... the uh, <laughs> little guy with like the red hat and the blue jacket right, and I think right. yellow shorts. Right. And like, you never saw his face, but he was just like cruising <laughs> along, had his little walk going on and midnight rescue was you're out of school late at night and you're trying to figure out which one of these robots is actually Morty mischief. The big guy. Oh, wow. Mischievous yeah. guy. I love that. I remember all of these, <laughs> these details despite not having played the game in a while, but that's amazing. Look, great nostalgia there. So how did it go from right. Joey the Detective and that early writing to Legends Universe? Where did that idea come from? After I got the participation ribbon, you know, like basically like a county fair ribbon, I hadn't thought about it. I, you know, I wrote in throughout school and whatnot, but I hadn't thought about it until I was like 22. And I was establishing like uh, coming out of college, like my first doctor, like not like a family doctor, but like I, I'm going to go establish a doctor. And, and I'll never forget it. I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the waiting room and the doctor comes in, he's got his clipboard and he just looks at me. Like he didn't even say anything. He walked in and he looks at me and it kind of got uncomfortable. And he looks down at his clipboard, he looks back at me and I was like, what? And he's like, your real name is that Joe field. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you a writer? I'm like, uh, no. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, he's like, uh, it kind of sounds like a writer's name. I think, I think you probably will become a writer. I'm like, okay, whatever, buddy. You know, I was like the last thing I was thinking about at the age of 22. Um, so, but I mean, it wasn't until about seven or eight years later where I got really serious about it, uh, that that came true. But that was like the second time in my life where I thought about becoming an author, a writer it was that moment, such a weird moment. But um, yeah, so that was the second point. 
And then when I really start to do it was I had a, I had a creative uh, mentor, his name was Greg, and I was writing a lot of songs with him and I was sort of just finding out like, what's gonna be my creative outlet in life? And this was kind of mid to late twenties. And he was like, Joe, he's like, all your songs have stories in them. You're basically writing concept albums about stories. And you know, you may or may not be good enough to write for the greats, and you might not be in Nashville, New York, LA, or somewhere where you could really take off songwriting. But have you ever thought about writing like a book, a novel, short stories, or something? Because I feel like people would like your stories. And I was like, no, I hadn't really thought about that. But I was like, I'll give it, I'll give it a try. And so that was when I started writing. This was probably about maybe like seven or eight years ago. Really, I really started to write kind of seriously, like. And the, and the first three books I wrote were crime thriller books. And you'll appreciate this. It was, uh, it, it was a Minnesota public radio um, uh, kind of an investigative journalist. That was my protagonist. Uh, it's called Cooper Smith. And, you know, I look back and I read them now, especially the first one. It's terrible. You know, I was like, <laughs> I thought it was amazing at the time. I go back. I can't even read the first chapter. People love them, though. They, they tell me all the time they really like them. Uh, but I started writing that because that's kind of what I knew. And, and I felt bad because I feel like I injected too much of myself into the character. You know, I was just starting out. And then I remember it was 2019 and my brother and I were watching like the latest Marvel movie of the day. I think it was uh, Captain Marvel. And, and, and it was good. It was all those Marvel movies are good, especially the early ones, Iron Man, all those. But it was a good movie. But I kept thinking to myself, like, I love reading and I feel like my imagination is so much better than whatever, you know, the MCU can put out. And so I was like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go research this. There has to be superhero books that are like, not just comics. I love comic books, but like long form novels that I could really like dive into and that are geared towards adults, not just kids. And I went out and looked and they don't exist. There might be one or two or some of these studios might do like an, like an, adaptation you know of their movie into like a book but i was i was looking for just original superhero stories for adults and i couldn't find any and i'm like well you know shoot why don't i just try to write some so i was like i'll, I'll try to write one and i'll see how it goes and then we'll go from there and so that's sort of how legend of the universe started percolating in my mind so this was 2019 and the first i i wanted to create a world i knew i wanted a world build because for me one of the best parts about any series, but especially like, you know, superhero fantasy is the world that it's set in. And so I created, that's what I started with the entire thing. I started with the world I called Arrowhead Nation and it's shaped like an arrowhead and it's set sort of like vaguely in the Pacific ocean, but like in current earth, I had sort of an isolated nation and there's four different sections of the country and there's the North, and that's uh, sort of resembles like the North and the US, maybe Minnesota a little bit. And there's a West, which is kind of like Wild West, sort of, uh, you know, Arizona type. There's the South, which is kind of like the Bayou, sort of like Louisiana. And then there's the East, which is like kind of capital East, like New York City, you know, DC. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if, because, you know, for some of us, we love our American folklore legends, you know, like, Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, John Henry, but a lot of people, especially the next generation, they have no idea who these people are. Like, what are you talking about? So I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if those legends were forgotten in America and they went to Arrowhead Nation to share all their powers, talents, abilities, and weapons with this next generation of superheroes? So that's sort of the premise 
for the, my first book, my first world in the Legends universe. And so my first character is Axel Holt. He's this bounty hunter who's kind of like an anti-hero. He has this big axe that he stole from Paul Bunyan that he carries around on his snowmobile to go after bounties. And so that's what I started with. And, it, and I just let my imagination go wild uh, during this thing and um, got like a lot of good feedback. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep going with it. You know, I was like, I'm going to do one. And I put that one out May 1st, 2020. So after COVID and everything broke and people just got, you know, they turned back to reading because they sort of isolated and they, I just got so much good feedback. And then the feedback I received was like, okay, Joe, we love this. This is great, you know, for adults, but I want to read this with my kid, you know? And so they're like, can you make a kid version? I'm like, yeah, sure I can. So what I did was I adapted the adult version for kids and I kept all the same characters, plot lines, world and everything, but I just, you know, tampered down, you know, violence or anything else that might, you know, made it age appropriate for eight to 12 year olds. And so sure enough, it just kind of took off from there. And, you know, families loved it because, you know, the parents could read it. It's kind of like the parents were reading like, or watching like a PG 13, you know, plus movie. And the kids were watching the same movie, but like the G or PG version of it. Right. So they could talk about it. They could experience it. And yeah, that's where it kind of took off from there. So, okay. Well, I want to ask you questions about your relationship with Strike and Nona, but first, let's okay. get to the gossip. <laughs> yeah, right on, I know. Let's let people in on I what know. the f*** we're talking This gossip is another piece of gossip that came from a busybody. Hi, friends. I have some gossip that happened to me today that will forever be my favorite and most regretted misconnection opportunity. The misconnection? I know. It also says that he lives, or his work is swamp. That he went to the school of swamp. He's agnostic. And a 36-year-old straight white man. And that he's seven feet tall. Oh my God, swamp man, agnostic. (laughs) Oh God. She's like, but we counted the toes. Like there couldn't be three, two, three-toed, or two, (laughs) three-toed. African greys. And so she like gets her husband up in the middle of the night and she's like, go look at his feet again. Uh-huh. And the husband goes out and he counts one, two, three, and the fourth one is curled under. And then she says, something's going on and it's not me. I'm sure she never thinks it's yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I got that. Sense it's never her <laughs> Yes. Also, if you locked the door, what the hell are you worried about? Yeah, what are you, and why are you yelling at someone for jiggling the handle? You didn't answer. You just say, someone's in here, occupied or whatever. <laughs> Babe Patrol. Babe Patrol, a podcast about small gossips, small to medium relationships, and big tangents. Tune in for season two of Babe Patrol out Tuesdays, wherever you get your pods. Bye. Bye. What would your superhero power be? So I thought about this before I ever read about One Piece, which is a you know popular manga they just made into a Netflix show. I wanted to be, I wanted to be like the lead character in One Piece. I wanted to have rubber, like my body was rubber. Like nothing could, like if I fell off of the tallest building, I would just bounce. If someone shot me or whatever, it was just like bounce off of me, you know? So I wanted to be able to turn myself into rubber. That would be my superhero power. How about for you? 
I've thought about this as well and, and taken ideas from other people. And I think mine would be an extra set of arms. Oh, There's yeah. just so many times where I'm like, man, if I had like a third third arm this would be a much easier situation you know carrying things obviously playing guitar you'd get such crazy right uh, you could get like the tapping stuff but just with my ah, there's the potential of it and like typing i would assume i'd learn how to do it with multiple maybe it would just be a mess but i feel like you you could you could rain harness that power (laughs) yeah when you said that my mind went to goro from mortal Kombat. that's right (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that's good though i like it I like that. It's a good inspiration. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And one of the other things that you talk about on your website and other other mediums that you've been on is your take on head writing, which I like the the component of this. Like I like the idea behind it, but for people who maybe aren't familiar with the term or what it entails, what's it all about? Yeah, so I call it either head writing or mind writing. And when I first started writing, I would do like a lot of writers. I would just pull up a word document or whatever I'm using and like chapter one and you go. Right. And it's like, uh, and then I sort of, I felt like I couldn't write very well like that. So then I did an outline. I became like an outliner and I still outline today. Cause it's, I think it's the fastest way to write and the best way to have like the least amount of revisions. Like I, I like to do revisions. Like I want to get like a colonoscopy. I hate revisions. So <laughs> I, I outline. Right. And so, but then I took it a step further. I was like, okay, so I'm outlining, but I'm still doing the same thing. I'm going chapter by chapter. So, you know, I don't know if you find yourself in a position like these in life. I'm sure you do, but you know, you're, you're wide awake at midnight and you're, you're in bed. You, you know, you're about to be in bed for the next five to six hours. And you know, you could pull up in your phone and do the eternal doom scroll, or you could read, or you could watch TV or something. But I would just, I would just start essentially writing each scene out, which was was one of my bullets in my outline in my head, almost like I was the camera guy watching it unfold. And, and I would do that for every single scene until it was like, I could watch the entire movie in my head. And, and there's this interstate in Minnesota that goes to North Dakota called I-94. And it is one of the most boring, flat, straight roads. And I've gone down that like dozens of times. It's like, seven hours on one straight interstate. Well, you might be able to relate to Texas, but, and on one of those trips, I can mind write an entire book. I can just play, you know, just the entire book in my brain. So by the time I actually type the first word on the first chapter, the words just flow. It's like, I've seen the movie 50 times already in my head. And it's gotten to the point where, I mean, I can write an entire novel, like the, my most recent book, Buffalo man one, I wrote that entire novel in less than a month and it's by far my longest book. And I had just very few revisions cause it was just like, I'd seen the movie so many times. And so that's, I started adopting that like probably three or four books ago. And it's just been, it's been a game changer for me anyway. Amazing. Yeah. I, I can definitely empathize with that long drive uh, with, with I-35 <laughs> out here. Yes. And ugh, just uh, ugh, no, not great. Not great. So well, a question I always like to ask, and I say it's less work for me because you're coming up with the question, but uh, what's your creative process like? Like, how do you come up with the wacky character traits, the silly moments and all the things like that? Yeah. So here's a, here's a resource, you know, for the listeners and and everyone. So like most creatives, you try to find a way to capture ideas as they come to you, right? And so I've tried everything. I've tried notebooks, and then I tried like, you know, your notes on your iPhone. I tried emailing myself. I tried doing all these different things, but I always felt like 
when you capture that moment, it's usually when you're out and about, geez, you might be traveling, you might have some sort of creative inspiration. So I found this resource and it's from Google. It's called Google Keep. And I hope they never get rid of it. It's like the coolest note-taking feature for creatives. It's free. As long as you have a you know Google account, you can sign up. Google Keep, it's an app. And they, it's just the best I've ever found to be able to keep notes on all my different books and all my characters on sayings on, let me give you an example. So like in my first book series, I, so my, I created my, this own sport, I call it the national scooter ball league. And essentially it's like, if you combine hockey with people on electric scooters and had a ball thrown in. And you can either make it through the goalpost or past the goalie, and it was full contact. That's National Scooter Ball. And I had these characters, uh, I, I call them the Hooper Brothers, but they were based off of, did you ever see that movie called Slapshot? It's a hockey movie from back in the day, Paul Newman. Uh, I'm not sure if you've have seen I, that before. I've seen that. I know of it, at least. I don't know if I've ever actually seen Surely I've seen part of it at least, but yeah, anyway, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a gem, it's a gem, but there's these three characters, the Hanson brothers. Why well, sort of mirrored that and I had the Hooper brothers where it's kind of the smash brothers of, of this team. And I just, I, so what I did was I had a, I had a note in my Google keep and I was like the Hooper brothers. I, I was just trying to find something that can make them feel like they were just really funny and goofy and, but I just couldn't think of anything. So I just had that note there, you know, and as you like, travel around or whatever you see stuff and you write it down. So for example, uh, I was in, I was walking in the streets of, of Philadelphia and I was in center city, Philadelphia, and I was by myself and I was just uh, walking down the street and up ahead, there was like a Wendy's restaurant and I heard a smash. And then I heard yelling and swearing and the security guard was throwing this guy out. He looked like, you know, like a homeless guy or someone, or maybe, you know, someone that's been there one too many times trying to steal or whatever. And they were going at it back and forth. Well, while this was happening, coming from the other direction on the same side of the sidewalk, there was this guy who's about my age. He looked kind of scrappy, sort of like he, you know, grown up on the streets of Philadelphia and he was looking right at me and he was looking at the situation. And we just so happened to pass each other right next to where this incident was happening. And I, I still, I, I can't even believe this happened, but he looks, this guy, a stranger, he looks at me and out of the back of his like pant leg or something, he pulled out like a 16 inch flathead screwdriver. And he's like, don't worry, bro, I got you back. And I was like, what? <laughs> and before I could even process it, he had it back hidden somewhere and he was gone. I never saw him the rest of my life, right? And I got past this little incident and I got to the next street corner. I pulled open that Google Keep uh, you know, folder for the, the Hooper brothers. I'm like, they're all going to have 16 inch flathead screwdrivers taped inside their socks. <laughs> and so I did. And so like, I had a few people ask me that I read the book, like, how did you think of that? Cause it comes up in kind of a silly way. And I was like, well, let me tell you a story. So, uh, so that's how I use it. That's sort of my creative process. People, you know, they'll, they'll call they'll be like, Joe, you know, how do you get your creative ideas? I'm like, they're everywhere all the time. They're like, stop being daft. You know, like, how do you do it? I'm like, no, literally like that is an example. Or, you know, you'd be walking down, you'll see a street sign. You're like, that would be a perfect surname. You hear a conversation like on the subway, Metro, and you're like, that is really funny. Um, or, or like, um, I was trying to think of a, a, of a weapon to use for one of my antagonists, uh, this guy named Gundy in my second book. And I was, 
it was sort of a wild west, you know, six shooter. And I was like, I want him to have something other than six shooters. And I had another incident where I was, I was hanging out with my niece and my nephew. And we, we always do like these little battles, like pretend battles, right? You know, niece against the nephew, they're like eight, 10 years old. They're always fighting and stuff. And so one of the times my niece was like, it's like, Joe, you're going to be on my team and we're going after, we're going after my brother. I'm like, okay, okay. I was like, I'm going to kind of play referee. So, you know, like you guys don't kill each other, but yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So she was like, give me five minutes. I'll be right there. So I go outside. My nephew's like pumping himself up, getting ready to go. And my niece comes out and she starts sprinting down the hill. She's got a backpack on war paint and everything. She gets like 20 feet from my nephew. She, I don't even know how she does. She pulled a boomerang out of a backpack and chucked it right at his face. He barely missed it. Then she pulled out another boomerang with her other hand, threw it right at him, like hit him in the leg or something. I'm like, whoa. And so once I broke them up from killing each other, I, I, I pulled out that same thing. Google keep them like, yeah, he's going to have double boomerangs as his weapon. So like, <laughs> like stuff like that. So that's sort of like my creative process. I, as I see things and experience things, I, I put it into whatever folder, you know, that would be applicable for. So. I like it. Yeah. Real life is just so ripe with good ideas. If you're keeping an eye out and if you're not, then you'll walk right by things. And I, I think it's, it's a good reminder to like, kind of, even if you're not writing a book, but like, just, just keep an eye right. out on what's going around around you. And I think you'll, you'll see a lot that, you know, if you're tunnel vision and not paying attention that you'd miss that. I mean, those were both very entertaining stories. <laughs> like you, you'll miss well, that, out on things like that. That's just it. I mean, even if you're just telling stories in the future, just around campfire, like at a family reunion, whatever. I mean, and I know you travel a lot. So like when you travel, you're just, I feel like you're, you're hypersensitive. You're like hyper aware just in general, cause you're trying to experience it, but there's so many of those moments. And I feel pretty fortunate because I have a, I have a good mind to be able to sort of think way ahead. So like I, I just came out with uh, Buffalo man one, which is my first book in this new series from, from last month. But I've already sort of outlined Buffalo Man two through five in my head, and I have folders for them. Is like notes and Google Keep. And by the way, with Google Keep, it's not just notes. You can attach images. You can attach other files. So like, I'll have like forty file, like forty images and a ton of text in there, and then I can just email that whole thing to myself, or I can put it into like a Google Drive. And so it's super easy to share it with yourself or anyone else. And then when I see something like Buffalo Man book two is going to be all about biker gangs and about Buffalo Man infiltrating this biker gang. So like if I see anything related to bikers, you know, like I'm putting it in there. Like it, I was following like the Sturgis, you know, uh, motorcycle rally, like all, all their online media and everything. And I'm like getting ideas and putting that in the folder. And yeah, so it's like for me, it is a fun way to capture stories and ideas, you know, just from life. So. Amazing. Well, I need to go look at Google Keep because I've never investigated it. I've heard of it, but just tossed it to the side. Didn't pay it any mind. So I got to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's free too. That's the best part. The, so. Yeah. Free 50 is my favorite, favorite price <laughs> of anything. All right, Joe, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap right. up with a top three. Where are your top three barbecue joints of the U.S.? Okay. So, so coming from Northern Minnesota, our ideal, like our idea of barbecue is like those little round charcoal grills. You know, I think mine had like a red cover on it and you know, for us, barbecue is grilling hot dogs and hamburgers. And if you're fancy, you throw some cheddarwurst on it. Right. <laughs> so when I was in college, I was playing competitive paintball and as our team improved, we started playing tournaments around the U S outside of Minnesota. 
And one of the closest national tournaments we played was in Kansas City. And our paintball manager uh, took us to Arthur Bryant's. And he was like, I'm going to show you guys good barbecue. And I, it was the first time I had like real genuine barbecue and I was just blown away. I was like, what? Like, this is barbecue? It's not my cheddar worst, like it burnt cheddar worst. It's like the most amazing ribs and everything. I was just like, and every year when we went back, you know, we would go there and I was just blown away. And so as I got a little bit older, I started to, so that'd be first. So number one is Arthur Bryant. Have you ever been there? I have not. No, I need to make it up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, uh, so that would be number one. And it it was kind of number one, not that it was like, the best it's really good but just because of it sort of introduced me to what real barbecue could be uh so the so number two right in your backyard i think i was there when you emailed me franklin's barbecue and and so the story behind it is you know i heard all about it and i went to south by southwest like six years ago five or six years ago and i went and i ordered like I don't even know, two or three pounds of brisket. I'm like, I just want it all. It was like 150 bucks. It was amazing. I, I ate it all over like a few days, uh, having like the meat sweats. But um, but then in, in between the time then and when I went back, I, I did Aaron Franklin's masterclass. And I just learned, I, I was amazed at how you could control the temperature plus or minus two to three degrees. Like, you know, my charcoal grill was like 150 degrees at 450 and he could keep it plus or minus two. And then when I came and ate it there last month, when you, uh, when I was there, I was just like, yeah, this is, this is still amazing. This is heaven. So, uh, so that would be my number two is Franklin's barbecue. Number three, which is actually my favorite is uh, Pinkerton's barbecue in downtown San Antonio. So they have this baller style Mac and cheese, which is like, it's like homemade noodles with creamy you know cheese. And they put these bits of bacon in it and they have like these little flecks of jalapenos. It's not very hot. Like, I can't handle heat, but it was like a little bit of like kick and spice. And then they put this moist chopped brisket on top and drizzle some of their special barbecue sauce over it. I mean, I was like, I'm telling you, it was like a heart attack in a bowl. But if I had to have a last meal, I think that would be it right there. It was just so good. I just, I crave it still. I crave it like once a week since I've been there. So that would be, that would be the last one. It is amazing. Like how much of a sucker I am for mac and cheese. <laughs> It's a, especially like when you have it in a different way, you know, like for us growing up, it was like cut up hot dogs and it was like amazing. Right. And then I had this, I'm like, this is mind blowing. Yeah. It, it truly does change the game. Yeah. Kraft Mac and cheese. I still love it, but it's a new experience to not have it like that. Right. Right. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, Joe, this was a blast. I'm glad you got to come down to Texas. Please come back again when it's not uh, 7,000 degrees outside. But in the meantime, if people <laughs> want to learn more about you, want to check out some of your work, where can I find you? Well, before I tell you that, I just want to say thank you, man. Like on behalf of all creatives, your show inspires us because we hear what other creatives are doing, keeps us going. And, you know, I run a podcast too. I know it takes a ton of time and resources, you know, to put these things together. And you could be doing a million other things, like trying out the best barbecue, you know. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much uh, for doing that. We really well, appreciate shots. it. No, so I'm blushing. Yes, thank you. Thank Keep you. going, man. It's awesome. So, uh, okay. So for the one or two listeners who may actually navigate to a specific website, if you still exist, <laughs> you can see all the Legends Universe content at legendsuniverse.net. But for everyone else, you can just open up your Amazon shopping app and search for Buffalo Man Joe Field, and you'll find my latest book. It's a book with a picture of a tough-looking you know, guy wearing a buffalo helmet, like a Paul Bunyan flannel. He's holding two billy clubs in his hands. Uh, so that would be the easiest way to find me and my other books. And then let me just throw out one last offer to your listeners. 
I don't, I don't normally share this, but since I like your show and your listeners are probably super cool because they're listening to your show, I, I actually, for anybody that's in a book club, organizers or members, if you read Buffalo Man or one of my books for your club, you can reach out to me and I'll attend your book club virtually and you can grill, grill the author and while you discuss the book and I'll, I'll you know, not, as long as it's not like a million of them, but like, uh, but I will, you know, you can hit me up on email or IG or whatever. And I'll jump in there and you can have me attend uh, your next book club meeting with my book. So I wanted to throw that out for, for, for the listeners. Ooh, I like that. I know a couple of people that at least around the turn of the year had book clubs going on. I was at a couple of them. So I'm going to I'm going to investigate on that, too, because that's a great offer. I love it. I want to grill. I'm nice. going to grill the authors. I like that. Yeah, no, I appreciate, you know, being on the show. This has been a blast for me as well. Likewise with Joe Field. A wonderful pleasure and always love connecting with a fellow Joe. That's right. Us Joe's got to stick together, man. We got to stick together. Exactly. Exactly. Of course, we're going to end with a corny joke, as we always do. Why don't escaped convicts make for good writers? (laughs) I don't know. They never finish their sentences. (laughs) Get after it today, people. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.